Right, well, Welcome we'll everyone to our first show. I hope you all are ready for a lot of uh, updates on 1.5. You know, we're going to be going through all the different changes. We're going to go through every unit. We're going to see how we can apply their uh, the changes and how they'll impact the game. Um, so this is our first show, and you know, we're going to try to make each show about an hour long. Um, and we're going to be talking about just anything and everything ice and fire. We're going to be having on guests, you know, whether it be from, you know, we'll try to get some people on from CMON, uh, other content creators, and then even like people, you know, first, second place at uh, some big events so they can go over um, their lists, just uh, anything that will provide something that you guys will enjoy. So, I hope you uh, continue to go on this journey with us to make this something awesome. Uh, so right now we got uh, a couple people here that uh, are going to be joining us uh, from week to week, uh, some more uh, hosts. Um, you have myself, uh, Dave, and then uh, we also have Justin. Hello. So, and then we have Brett. Brett. Uh, and for those that Yo. don't know Brett, he is the Gen Con winner, and he is going to have to defend his title come up next Gen Con. I I am indeed. Maybe with a different maybe with a different faction. We'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so also we have a couple other hosts that uh, um, currently one's trying to. Uh, jump on right now with us, which is Chris. Uh, he'll be able to introduce himself in a second. And then uh, we also have Jose. Uh, Jose might be on later tonight um, to be able to weigh in on some of the um, stuff we have not yet been able to uh, talk about. Um, so I guess, uh, I mean, this is probably going to be a longer episode. Uh, we're going to probably try to shoot for most episodes to be about an hour long. Um, this one, though, there's a lot to unwrap and to go over, so we might go over that time a little bit, but we're going to try to stay on schedule. Um, we're going to do every Tuesday um, at, uh, I know we started at 9 tonight, um, but we had a couple of people uh, think it was uh, not factor in the time zone. So um, what's going to work best for us is uh, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, so I hope you'll be able to join us uh, from week to week. And those that can't, unfortunately, join us, especially a lot of you over over uh, the pond, um, this will be uh, recorded, so you'll be able to listen to it just like a podcast. Um, but the reason that we uh, kind of went this route was that uh, we wanted to provide something that you guys would be able to call in, talk to us, talk to some of our guests, you know, because some of you, you know, maybe I might be in the unfortunate situation that you can't make it out to those big events. So you're not going to be able to maybe talk to some of the bigger names or the content creators, you know, the faces of this, you know, this amazing community. And this will give you possibly the chance to call in, ask a couple questions and, uh, you know, kind of get your, you know, essentially one-on-one -on -one time with, you know, certain people. Um, and even if it's not with, uh, with, you know, one of the faces, you might still be able to get your get on here and, you know, kind of voice your opinion and what you think about, uh, you know, any anything that's going on at the time. So, um, Chris, are you here with us? 
I hope so. Oh, there you are. All right. So this is Chris. Uh, he is one of our uh, co-hosts, and he is going to be joining us tonight as well. So uh, I'm, I guess we'll go through and uh, give you guys just a very quick, uh, uh, you know, background about it ourselves, and so that way you kind of know who you're talking to, um, you know, uh, and kind of get to know us a little better. Um, so my name is Dave. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen me around. Uh, I, I post a lot on the pages. Um, and, yeah, uh, so I'm sure some of you have seen my posts or even met me in person. I went to Adepticon, um, and uh, I've gone over to Indianapolis uh, a couple times to play over there. Um, and, I mean, I've been playing uh, miniature games for about 21 years now. Um, I started with Warhammer uh, 40K, and, you know, I still have all my stuff and up until ice and fire i played it a lot but uh ever since ice and fire has come out i've I've pretty much just played that and almost nothing else um uh between that time i've started up some card games i played uh the dragon ball z uh um card game by panini which was a uh, a remake of the dragon ball score um game uh i've played a little war machine um, and some uh, Age of Sigmar, and recently got into Conquest, um, and I've played that just uh, here and there with uh, Justin. Um, but my main game is definitely Ice and Fire. Uh, for me, it just it, it brings a little bit of everything. It brings you know a, you know most of all just a very balanced uh, system, and to me that provides a level of you know just. It's fun knowing that everything is so even and fair. You know, it's it, nothing's perfect. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's definitely not a perfect game, but I've played lots of games, uh, lots of tabletop games, and for me, my personal opinion, it's the most fair game out there, and that's a huge reason why I'm attracted to it. I love the IP, and I just love how it works. Um, so, uh, yeah, next up we'll... Uh, Justin, tell us a little about yourself. So, <clears throat> I'm Justin. Uh, I guess I've been playing miniature games for only about five years now, so compared to some people, relatively new. But I started off playing Age of Sigmar and 40K, and I played those a lot and have a lot of armies. Uh, and then I've slowly <laughs> just picked up things for everything. A uh, little bit of War Machine lately, a lot of Conquest, Last Argument of Kings. Um and then Ice and Fire is the one that I definitely play most competitively out of all the games I play. Uh, everything else, I suppose, I'm more of a casual player. But I play, I have, since day one, I kickstarted the game. Uh, I play neutrals only. Um, I picked up some Baratheons. I'll probably be playing them a little bit, but I'm a 100% neutral player. I don't really mix factions or anything. Uh, so I'm pretty proud to make that boast. And I do fairly well with them, I like to think. Um, but other than that, I also know a ridiculous amount about Game of Thrones, and I definitely brag about it to these guys quite often. Um, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I'm done. All right. Uh, how many times have you read through the series? I've read all the books twice, and I listened to the audiobooks once. And then I have, like, all awesome. the extra books, like the World of Ice and Fire and everything. Nice. Nerd. All right. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, we're going to go on to Brett. Unfortunately, Brett's going to have to leave us. Uh, I don't know. Um, we'll see how long we can 
captivates him for. Uh, I guess it'll depend on certain elements of the world. But uh, all right, tell us a little about yourself, Brett. I started playing Warhammer, actually, like you, Dave, but I played Fantasy because I, I don't like shooting, so I'm good on that. Uh, Says the Night's Watch player. It, yeah, I, but I don't use any other any other range. And <laughs> I did use Lannister Crossbows in fairness, but I mostly like infantry and cavalry. So I played Chaos uh, in Warhammer Fantasy for off and on for about 20 years. I was really into 8th edition, and that's when I started to play competitively. That was around 2013, and then when the bottom fell out of Warhammer, I tinkered around with the Ninth Age. I helped them a little bit when they were trying to launch. I was, I was doing some of the play testing for them and some of the rules developing, and that whole community kind of went off in a di- different direction. So I was left without a game, and then I landed on Song of Ice and Fire. Actually, I don't think I've even been playing it for a full year. I started right before Adepticon of uh, 2019, so has not been nice. that long. So, like, right before March? Yeah. Yeah, I think I started in maybe early March, late February. But Def- I, I'm Definitely Dave. a cheater. Yes, big cheater. Um, I'm with Dave. I, uh, I played Warhammer for 5th edition, 6th edition, 7th edition, and a lot of 8th edition, and, and, uh, Song of Ice and Fire is definitely the most balanced. Uh, it's so balanced for the most part that you can't, you can't really list build your way into victory. It all comes down to, uh, how you play and what you do with the situation that's in front of you and how you adapt to, things that go bad and you know whether you get mad and you get out of your game all of those things are big factors so it's actually i i think it's the best it's a, it's a lot of fun and uh yeah i don't really see it going anywhere so it's 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 got a really high ceiling i think because uh we just keep pulling more and more people in and then as the game expands it stays more interesting so i'm very glad to be a part of it when it's still young and growing Yep. All right. And then uh, lastly, but definitely not least, and with the exception to Jose, which will be on later, and we'll we'll definitely give him a couple minutes to give his background, um, we have Chris. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, the rest of us. So me and Brett, I would say we're definitely on the more uh, competitive side of the game. Uh, not to say that we're any, like, win at all costs, but we're pretty competitive. And um, but Justin and Jose, they're kind of, I would say you guys are like right in the middle, you know, you're competitive and, you know, right in the middle. Whereas Chris, Chris is awesome. Chris is the most fun player to play against. He is the opposite of competitive and he definitely balances the five of us out. Um, so tell us a little about yourself, Chris. So I've been playing these fine games for about 16 years now. Started in the nice. W realm, the fantasy and 40k. Played some orcs, some dark elves, a lot of lizard men action. Been dabbled in some Malifaux, Guild Ball, Warm Hordes, Batman, Legion. <laughs> nice. Now the crushing call stuff. So I've played a lot of this stuff, and if winning 
was what I was about, I would have stopped playing these things a long time ago. <laughs> I tried doing yeah. goofy stuff possible, and these guys will testify. If there's like a 12-inch charge to be made, I'll try it. Don't even care. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I once charged the oh. Kelly Cavalry, tried to go 11 inches, got like three poor fellows came in. Bad news. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So oh, go ahead. Say that last part again. Sorry. No, I'm done. Go ahead. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So Chris is definitely uh, our our least competitive player, but he's by far the most fun to play against. So like I was saying, he's definitely the perfect person to round us out. And that was why I definitely wanted to ask him to be a part of this because I didn't want the show to just be about tactics and, you know, just perspective from competitive players or players maybe, you know, in the middle. I wanted it to be from all sides so everyone listening could connect to in some way, you know, and be able to, you know, uh, you know, have a part of the show that really uh, shines through and really connects with them. So, but yeah, uh, without further ado, um, I mean, we're coming on like 13 minutes here, so let's let's dive right into these changes. So first uh, unit on our uh, list to talk about, let's see. Um, let's talk about uh, the halberdiers. So, let me just uh, point this out here. I, I I think I love all the changes. So some of them we're going to try to kind of get out of the way because they don't have as much of an impact. Um, so we're going to, I think, uh, Halberdiers are one of those units. Um, I don't know about you guys. I loved Halberdiers before the change. Um, I wouldn't say they're like my favorite unit for Lannisters or by any means, but I just, I liked them a lot. Um, I feel like though you had to kind of, I wouldn't say spam them, you had to run a bunch of them so that way you kind of forced your opponent to um, to charge something. You know, if you have a bunch of them, they can't just not charge anything. But uh, but now with their increase uh, and the new, uh, we'll, we'll go over the, the new way of charging in a bit, uh, but with that change and their increased stats and you're able to position yourself more defensively, I feel like these guys are not necessarily a must, but they're going to be a strong take in any Lannister list now. What do you guys think? We'll start with uh, Brett. So the the morale boost is definitely a help as well, which when we cover the change to panic, we can uh, talk about how having a high morale is actually better now than it's ever been. And uh, so the increase mm-hmm. in six morale is a big deal because you've got Knights of Castle Rock have a six, and then you've got Faith Militant, and everything else in the Lannister is kind of poop. So having a six morale is pretty solid. And then on the other side of that coin, <clears throat> causing panic checks as often as you possibly can is going to be incredibly important as well. Um, I think I alluded to earlier even the lowly guardsmen with their six attacks that hit on fours, you only need to sneak one in there to trigger the panic check, and then it can turn into it can turn from one into five very quickly because they only have to fail by one, obviously, and Lannisters 
prey on those panic tests. So the halberdier is getting an attack action, unlike counterattack, which isn't a true attack action with a panic test, is uh, is pretty substantial because you've got potential to cause two panic checks in that round. And then when you mix in their assault veteran, who is their, I mean, he was born to be in halberdiers, right? So when you activate after you take that front charge, which is much, much easier to guarantee that they have to charge you in the front, um, you're getting 10 attack dice on threes, presumably, and then the, that's with thundering and then the follow-up panic check. So it's very possible that a unit who charges halberdiers is going to end up dying. And I think it doesn't seem like much, the, the plus one attack and the plus one morale, but I think that combined with the other changes have made them a very, very nasty unit. And uh, I think people will kind of come around to realize that and – so, yeah, I think their value's definitely gone up. You didn't see them much before, but I think you'll see them now. Yeah, I, I I think also if you are expecting that charge, if you've given them no other option, especially if you can get those halberdiers on an objective, and you can throw Cersei uh, before they uh, do that charge, you could really do some, you know, a lot of damage, and you're going to almost force their hand to not charge you. Because, I mean, imagine charging, getting hit by that free... Uh, charge the set for charge them failing that panic test because they're essentially like vicious now because you have Cersei on them and now they lose let's say on average two models from the um, panic test and then let's say you know the attack on the combat is still available you take that you swing again I mean then you could swing for a third time with their activation or even let's say that the um the free attack isn't available, and they charge you. Do you hit them first? They hit you, probably not as well because now you know if you've taken out a rank, then you take the money bag and you heal up, and then you swing out, swing with your activation. I mean, these guys like I used to run a, a Tyrion list. It would run uh, four halberdiers and two crossbowmen, and the halberdiers would, ha I believe, all have a, a salt vet. And, you know, it just, they have to charge something, right? I mean, if your crossbowmen are in the back, I mean, you can't just ignore everything. And if you're, you know, you take, what you do is you take the free maneuver quickly so you can get them on the objectives so you leave them no other choice. Now with the new way, uh, like, positioning will matter, if you position them in just the right way, I mean, they're, they're going to have to charge something. You can't just ignore it. And then if you, even if you charge, now you have eight dice hitting on fours with re-rolls. And if you can get some uh, vulnerables out there, like you throw Picel on the male, throw a weakened, but then make the other one a vulnerable, um, you know, you can really do some damage with these guys. But uh, what about you, Justin? What do you think? Ah, uh, well, I mean, you guys covered most of everything, but even if the you put them in a position where they don't want to charge you, uh, not only were they great before, but they're even better now as a deterrence. So you stop your enemy from doing what they want to do. Yep. I think with uh, Tyrion, that just doubles it up because he's already mm -hmm. making you think twice about a lot of things. Yep. I'm going to circle back to it once really quick because you there do. is... Now, I I don't think anybody can dispute that he is the shittiest Kingsguard, or sorry sorry for my language, but <laughs> the worst Kingsguard choice uh, universally. I think everybody's going to say Mandon Moore. He's two points, 
and he gives you plus one to hit and vicious if you have more ranks. Now, that's not spectacular at all. Most Lannister heavy hitters have vicious anyway, and he can't go on nights of casually rock. So where are you going to put this guy? And I think maybe he's going to play some halberdiers now because it, it made me think of it when, when uh, James said when they essentially have vicious with Cersei. Well, now imagine if you plop Cersei on the crown to take a shot at something with a panic check, which is every bit as viable as it was before. Now you control the crown and you influence that unit. That's their their best chance to get onto that uh, center objective in Game of Thrones and, and rob it from those uh, halberdiers. Well, if they come in and end up taking more damage from the first attack and then the panic check at the minus two, now when you swing back, perhaps they are vicious, and with fiercely it's an automatic minus four. So it's not something that's going to come up too terribly often, but that's it's really the only situation where I can envision Mandon Moore really being worth taking. I'm so surprised that they did not rework that guy somehow. Because for two points, I'm just guessing that, that everybody looks over him. And, and even Boris Blount at two points, or Boris Blount, I've never, ever seen either of them use ever. Yeah, even if they had to, like, make a, uh, you know, make him one point, but do, like, D3 wounds to yourself or something. Because um, yeah, at one point, be like I think he's a steal. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, but I mean, I guess he would be like the Hound. But he, I mean, the Hound is uh, was two points. So I mean, you could he was if you basically make him the Hound for one point, but then you give the drawback of needing the Crown. I think that could even even him out just right. But uh, what about you, Chris? Yeah, you. Uh, what do you see the potential for these halberdiers? Well, I just want to say right off the bat, I hate the Lannisters for the passion. But, <laughs> you know, I used to not enjoy charging these guys, but now I really will not enjoy charging these guys. <laughs> oh, come on, Chris. But, but, to be fair, I still will. Yeah, I know. I was just about to say that. I was like, you don't enjoy it, but you're like, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> you do it anyways. <laughs> What's the worst that happens? I lose? <laughs> so, but yeah, I think that's that's about it for the Halberdiers. It's pretty straightforward. I think uh, I think a lot of people out there, yeah. just try it out. Try them out. Um, I know we're kind of saying it's, they're, they're really great, but if you didn't really try them before because of their stats and whatnot, try them now, I'm telling you, especially if you run more than, you know, one. Try running some lists with two, maybe even three. Or if you want to try out my uh, Tyrion list, um, you can try that too. And you, I'm telling you, you, you run enough of these guys, they're not going to be able to just say no to everything. They're going to have to charge you, especially if they're a Stark player. I mean, unless they have Winters coming, which you could then counterplot if you have that, they're going to have to charge you, especially if they want a lot of their Stark bonuses. So, um, so next on our list here is uh, we're going to go over the Warrior Sons. So, these guys, I thought for sure, and I, th- I know a couple of you guys also thought um, that they were going to be dropped in points. And I could have, you know, that's what my money would have been on. But uh, they were reworked them, I think, in a clever way that was able to keep them at eight points. Um, so 
I'm going to start with you, Brett. What do you think? Oh, I think um, I think you'd be hard-pressed to uh, debate that they're not better. Um, I've heard some people – or I, I haven't heard. I guess I've read some people on the, the main Facebook page arguing that a – that thundering is better than a vulnerable token, but in no way, shape, or form do I see that being accurate. Well, um, now that they also give the not. panic. It's thundering and it's panic, yes. It's panic and vulnerable. Yeah. But Well, that's I the thing, though. The panic can re-roll the D3 for the panic test. We'll the get to the panics the after D3. this, but yeah. so. There's a panic token and a vulnerable token, and you've got Pycelle to throw out weakened tokens, and you've got Tywin to throw out weakened tokens. Um, well, and then you've even got other, Fargo if you want to go that route. They've got plenty of access to weakened. They don't have access to vulnerable outside of Mirantrant and the letter. And and these guys give a vulnerable token. The thing well, is you don't have and, to give uh, a vulnerable token for the warrior son. The last row is warrior, gives vulnerable too, right? Or am I... Correct. It does. Yes. Vulnerable okay. and panic. You're correct. But having said that... Uh, I don't ever want my units to die. I'm, like, really greedy. Like, I'm going to keep them alive forever. <laughs> They're never going to die. So I just throw that card out. Normally, I would uh, use that as Tyrion fuel. But you are correct. Yep. They can get it that way. But in, in most, well, most real-game circumstances, it's going to be if you brought Mirren Tran, and it's going to be the letter. But the, yeah, the, well, night the nice thing is rock. this. Go ahead. I was just going to say, the nice thing is that this unit, it does it every attack. It's not like when they activate. So if you get free attacks with these guys, you just use the vulnerable like every time, just like a sworn sword captain. Right. Just use it immediately. That meaning, you know, unless they have some, I mean, unless I'm thinking of, uh, can't think of it, is there anything that can, oh, uh, Night's Watch have the card, uh, the fire that burns against the cold, but otherwise, I don't yeah, know if anything can immediately take care of that vulnerable token. You just, you attack and it's happening. And uh, yeah, they're not going to be able to take the token away. I don't no, have I don't. a card in front of me right now to confirm, but is it oh, any, Justin, any I know they're about engaged today. with? <laughs> what did you say? What? You're, were you about to mention uh, Bolton's uh, the Anytime card? What's that called? Yeah, the uh, Neutral card. I wonder how I, – I feel like it wouldn't work because even though it says Anytime, you have to do it at the start of specific triggers, I think. But I'm not entirely no, sure. No, they clarified that Anytime is its own thing. So. Oh, you just pause uh, the game can, immediately? Yeah, like it, it doesn't happen simultaneously. You just kind of inject that the card is happening whenever you want it to happen. So you just say it, it creates its own timing, essentially. So ah, you vulnerable would just be back. Like, yeah, exactly. You'd be like, oh, swap the vulnerable over here or whatever, you know. So, uh, yeah, so, sorry, uh, Brett, were you, what were you saying? No, you're fine. I don't have the card in front of me, so I don't know if it's the unit that they're attacking or if it's any unit that they're engaged with. But I, I want to say uh, that the defender becomes vulnerable and panicked. Yeah, it says, yeah the defender so. becomes panicked and okay. vulnerable. Okay. So you couldn't put and it then, in a different unit that you were engaged with, but that's fine. Um, I think the strength to that, outside of the fact that they don't have thundering and a vulnerable token is is going to net you some wounds against things that have only a 3-plus save. Because with Flademan being dropped to a 3-plus, we don't currently really have any units that have a 2-plus without help. Now, I know Dario 
can make a three plus unit a two plus save with his ability and Warriors. Can the new Warriors can become yeah. a two plus? Yeah. But outside of that, a three plus with a vulnerable token, you're actually going to be doing some damage. And uh, but furthermore, um, the Knights of Castle Rock, who are obviously a favorite choice of Lannister players, if you can place that token and then set up your flank charge with the Knights of Castle Rock and they're vulnerable, it's going to really dish out a lot of pain. So, and then they're panicked to boot. So. There's definitely a lot more potential with them. And then with the Champion of the Faith. Uh, oh, Champion of the Faith is that, phenomenal. That, yes, not only healing, but triggering that free morale test that you're presumably going to pass. Um, it kind of solves that <laughs> issue where people felt like, and myself included, I didn't bring them because I don't run the High Sparrow. So outside of the High Sparrow, how am I getting tokens? Uh, well, now you've got a champion of the yep. day, so you'll have plenty of tokens, and you'll be healing. So these so yep. heal, potentially, and and then the, the tokens being reworked, I, I just see it as a plus all the way around. Yep. But, so uh, what about you, I've got to tend to I, think, I've uh, got to tend to family stuff. i got to jump off. I'm sorry, guys. Okay. All right. You Thank you for coming minutes. on, Brett. We'll uh, see you next yeah, week. Yeah, no problem. I, it's, re- it's really disappointing. I'll be here next week. All right. All right, bye. All right, see ya. What about you, Chris? What do you think about these guys? <clears throat> They're Lannisters, right? So, you know. It's basically, <laughs> I think these guys are going to be ridiculously good with the High Sparrow guy. Because these guys yep. are pretty much guaranteed to have a faith token. So you're going to be chucking these tokens out like nobody's business. So I see that as a very good plus for these guys. They're also going to be incredibly hard to one-shot, if or not to one-shot, but to finish off if you can't kill them immediately uh, before oh, they yeah. get a fate token or before they lose a rank, then they're going to a three and a two. Even though they only have four wounds left, with just a two and pretty much never taking morale damage except on the very rare damage or occasion, right. it's going to make them very, hard, very good at holding the line. Yep. Just uh, for some of you out there, uh, one thing to be careful for if you're playing them or something to think of uh, when you're playing against them, if they're down to like five wounds or something and they're just at that three up uh, um, threshold and you have something that can modify their morale, let's say a Vicious or Cersei or anything like that, and you charge and then you swing at them and you can just do like one wound while they're at the three point mark or the three up mark and they only have four wounds left when they take that panic test they'll be at a six up or worse and if they fail by one point and you roll a five and you needed a six and then you roll a three on that panic test you could wipe out the unit before they ever get their uh their two up save so keep that in mind that you're never really safe anymore even with a good morale if you have four or less guys um so, uh, you know, it's just just keep that in mind um, that uh, the new panic, you know, it can definitely sneak up on you um, even with good morale units. And I say that, you know, even for, like, the people who play uh, uh, berserkers out there, you know, you have that four-up save, they jump on you, and you're thinking you're going to get the ten swings back or more, depending if you have any boosts. If they swing at you and then, you know, you've, Fail that panic test by one, and then you roll bad on the D3. You could be seeing your whole unit gone, unlike, you know, before where 
you know, yes, you could roll uh, and fail, but you had to roll snake eyes, and then even then you'd only lose two guys um, at four at max if you had some uh, multipliers on there. So, but uh, all right. Uh, so let's go on to the next unit here. Uh, we're going to talk about Champion the Faith. So we already kind of touched on him, but uh, we already kind of know the applications he has for jumping in with the poor fellows and with the um, the uh, knights, the or the warrior sons. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory there. They're going to auto-trigger the morale for them when they activate and almost guaranteed a faith token every round. But Maybe let's talk about some applications of them in other units. Um, first one that comes to mind for me is the new halberdiers. That you know they're six up safe or six up uh, morale. You know everything else in the everything non-faith militant that's an infantry unit is going to have, I believe, a seven or seven up or eight up. So, but you know. A 50-50 to even trigger the ability, you know, you're probably better off spending the points elsewhere. But um, maybe the halberdiers, um, you know, especially because they're already like a defensive, offensive unit. So healing definitely seems like it could be uh, something to, you know, try out. What do you think, uh, guys? Uh, I think that's probably the only unit that they're going to be useful in personally because the rest of them – the uh, Guardsmen aren't guardsmen without a guard captain. I personally think they just they don't do anything without that guard captain. Uh, mountainsmen, you don't want taking damage because they're susceptible to exploding. So you're probably not going to live long enough to fail your morale test, anyways. <laughs> uh. I mean, they only have they have a four up save, so it's not so bad. I mean, but well, yeah, but I know four what you mean. They're, they're not defensive and, enough. 50-50 with tons of centering out there, vulnerable tokens everywhere, which is prob maybe the most valuable of all the tokens, depending on what you need at the time. But, I mean, just like in a vacuum, vulnerable is incredibly powerful. Um, yep. I think I think that's the only other option. I'm not sure I would do it. Because the thing with the Lannister attachments is they really kind of fit into specific slots. Other factions are... Their attachments are pretty interchangeable, but I feel like Lannisters are pretty uh they're decent in other things, but they're pretty cut and dry into the unit that they seem to belong in. Yeah, the thing with the guard captain and guardsmen though, I think it's it's not so much a guarantee anymore with the new uh morale uh changes. I think oh, yeah, I think it's still you could a, just a solid combo. Yeah. So I think it's it depends, a solid but that's combo. how their offensive power too though. But yeah, but I think like now there's actually merit to run an assault veteran in the unit um, to kind of boost them just enough to make them more middle ground in the sense that they're defensive enough to sit on an objective, but the assault veteran gives them that bit of offense. But then again, I mean, you're putting yourself in a six-point range to fight for halberdiers. So I don't know. Um, I think it definitely has some merit now with the uh, with the change that guardsmen could probably um, yeah. take something else. Um, but we'll see. I mean, if you're running uh, the High Sparrow as your commander, maybe one unit of um, guardsmen wouldn't be such a bad thing because with a with a, what are they called? The Champion of the Faith? Because, you know, you could always attach Sparrow himself to increase their morale to a 5. That way, and now they're, they're a free by, it's armor. A four. Yep. So. Yeah, that's fair. 
What do you think, Chris? I know we're still on Lannisters, and you're just like, ugh. <laughs> well, I would probably do something foolish of putting these guys in the uh, poor fellow guys and getting, what, five guys back if you pass your morale test? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be pretty crazy with uh, champions inside poor fellows. Um, you're We've definitely going to have to, like, a bunch. Yep. Yeah. Um, poor fellows. And for a lot of people out there that like saw poor fellows and saw five points, and they're like, uh, I don't know about that. I'm sure Simon already had this change for champion of faith in mind. And I think, especially with this combo, uh, champion of faith and poor fellows, it's definitely worth the six points that they'll be after the, after the attachment. My goal is always to kill a poor fellow before they get to activate. So I always draw out their activation and then just murder them. Yeah, that's it's one of those things that an all poor fellow army you kind of lose out if you don't have enough like because you're gonna have to activate something like before they mm-hmm. uh, and you're gonna waste the ability. Whereas if you only run one or two and you have at least as many activations as your opponent, you should be able to get both of them, you know, he, both of their effects to heal off um, at least early on before anything's really taking any damage. So. Um, but, uh, all right, uh, on to the next unit, we'll talk about the Kingsguard. So this change I love, um, I thought it was going to be more along the lines of they just couldn't suffer any auto wounds. Um, but this is still really good. Um, so the changes, uh, are, they can now heal. Uh, they removed that part from their, uh, their innate ability, um, I mean, they do only have eight eight wounds still, so they are, you know, four wounds less than... They're almost... They are and they aren't like a solo in the sense that they they don't have the normal 12 wounds that a, a tray would have. But, I mean, with a three-up save and not degrading and all that, I think... And only being six points, I mean, I think that's uh, well worth the investment. And then... Um, uh, what else? And then their banner card change. Their banner basically... All the wording is the same, except for the fact that um, each ability can, use can the be same used four more. Times. Yeah, you can use them as many times as you want. Um, it's Up still to four times when total. they activate. Yeah. Um, so I'll read it here. The Kingsguard come with the four banners uh, on their tray. At the start of their activation, they remove one banner to gain one of the following until the end of their activation. So, and... One is a free retreat maneuver, one is critical blow and sundering, one is vicious and the defender becomes panicked, and one is vulnerable weakened. So one thing to keep in mind that might be amazing is a, uh, which is odd because you would think, um, depending, I mean, I guess it depends on the, because um, he's gone by this time in the books or show, but uh, a, a faith militant um, with Joffrey, I mean, you run those king's, uh, the King's Guard, and then you're able to four times in the game throw out a, a vulnerable weekend. You run like Pycelle to throw out weekend, and then you have uh, the Warrior Sons throwing out the Panicked and uh, Vulnerable. I mean, you could be throwing out so many tokens; it's ridiculous. So, uh, what do you think? I think that I think that fits the Lannisters theme too. They're supposed to be really tricky, and I feel like tokens represent uh, tricks and cunning and tactics so I, I like yeah, it but I yeah no he's 
the Kingsguard are amazing now. Their only weakness is the eight wounds. So if you do get like, it's really easy to get cavalry into the rear of them. They're going to be probably dead, but generally you probably don't want eight wounds holding your flank to let cavalry get into the rear of them. But those guys are so able to kill any squishier unit because even if you try to position your units outside of their range, they're like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, maneuver and then walk up to you and kill you. But it yep. all depends. Uh, but they're, they're really, but really powerful. I could also even see these guys in the future being bumped up like one point, be seven points, and then give them the ability, uh, I forget the name of it, but basically they, they never receive... Uh, um, fearless? No, they oh, are talking about fearless. the status one? The the enemy won't get a charge bonus against them, so you know hitting oh, them in the rear isn't gonna like. Yeah, basically it has a name for it, but yeah, so that way you can't like rear charge them with cavalry and then just blow them up because eight wounds with a rear charge from cavalry isn't so bad when they have a five. They'll at that point they'll have a five up save. Granted, they won't take the negative penalty for the the panic so the rear because they have fearless. Well, if they have that ability, still, like, they actually they won't have a five up save that ability cancels out the negative two from the rear. No, that's what I'm saying. Fearless oh. doesn't fearless is just never. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Morale and, Sorry. I and thought you were saying that panic. they would still have a, that you're saying they'd still have a no, five I'm, up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying like if they get charged from the rear, if they had the other yeah, ability, you. um, you know, cause if they right now, if they're charged from the rear, it's a five up save. And if you're able to like do a vulnerable token, they're almost guaranteed yeah, they're dead. to be dead. I mean, I, I eat, I've done it like five times. Vulnerable. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. So what do you think, Chris? Uh, I think this is the last Lannister unit we have to go through before you start getting excited about some of the other changes. <laughs> I think either of their changes would be good on their own. Together, it is very good. The fact that you can, well, these guys in general are, Essentially, the elite guarding the king. So the the banner the, the the banner change is really showing that hey, these guys can adapt to anything on the battlefield. Not just hey, I can only do this once. When do I want to do it? Now, if the situation yep. calls for it, you go ahead and just do it. Which I think is awesome. And then the healing thing, obviously that, and it will help any unit just being able to heal them. I've played against these guys, I think twice. And they pretty much got the floor clean with them on a good charge. I think it was from Berserkers, just because they, I was able to one shot them. There's nothing they could do about it. This will definitely yep. help their thing of power. Yep. And yeah, and I think uh, they're definitely a lot more versatile now. So oh, yeah. I think that wraps up the, the Lannisters, and we're gonna jump into the Starks. So. First change, House Tully Sworn Shield, six points. So, man, I did not see this coming. Six points. And, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they're too good for six points. Then again, they kind of didn't shine through when you compared them to a lot of the other seven points of the Starks. Yeah, this is one of those changes uh, that I think a lot of people have the opinion of with a lot of units. Sometimes maybe just changing their points isn't the answer because six points makes it so hard to justify bringing other six-point units. Because even if you look at these guys offensively, yeah, they're nothing like 
nothing crazy, but the fact that they're like the single most defensive unit in a vacuum with seven attacks sitting on threes is incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah. And their offensive potential. I mean, I think it's really their offensive potential only seems pretty good because they hit on three ups. Um, but, uh, I mean, cause their dice are just, yeah, their dice are just okay. And whatnot, like the amount of dice, it's about average, I would say for the defensive unit. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just the blocking D3, three up save and, um, and their above average morale. And then you throw them in a, t- a blackfish like list and you can really make these guys, you know, a force to reckon with. And, Six points. I mean, you compare them. I mean, I know it's hard. You, you shouldn't compare like cross faction, but you know it's hard. It's hard not to, um, to some degree. But like them against uh, like Blackguard, I think we've talked about before. And yeah. you know, <laughs> I guess really it's only it, the only real big difference is the hitting on three up. Um, like otherwise, a lot of the other stats. Uh, for the most part, uh, even out, uh, you trade out the two abilities, and the hitting on a three-up, I think, is a big deal. Um, yeah, I mean, plus one to hit significant in any game you play. Yep. Well, that and even, like, it increases your odds that much more when you're charging then, too. You know, mm-hmm. chances that you're going to fail, you know, how many you're going to fail on a three-up, and then you get a re-roll to that. It just it especially- crazy, so... In a game where you're only tossing out a handful of dice, like eight attacks for highly aggressive units, uh, hitting on threes is significantly more valuable with a small number of dice than hitting on fours is for this game. Mm-hmm. Compared to, like, you know, oh. if you were play orcs in 40k, you're throwing out a bucket full of dice. They only uh, Did you say they had eight attacks? They only have seven. No, no, I said seven. I said eight would be an aggressive <laughs> unit. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, I was comparing think, them Chris? to a game. What do you think, Chris? I know Starks. I know you haven't played Starks in a little while because you've been on the Free Folk. But uh, what do you think of these guys? I'm thinking that now that this happened, an all Tully list. Well, not probably the most competitive thing, which I don't really care about. More uh, for thematic purposes, it's a lot more feasible. You might be able to squeeze an extra unit out there. I mean, you might be sacrificing an MCU or something, but I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, I used to make, like, competitively, I make, used to make just pretty much all Umber lists because, you know, you know, they just, they're so much better than a lot of the other units, in my opinion, you know, because the, the well, Berserkers well, with the high morale and then the Great Axes all run, like, uh, uh, blackfish in there to make their morale great uh, instead of just above average and now the Tullys uh, I'll throw you know I'll take out like a couple attachments and one berserker or something and be able to fit in two Tully sworn shields and you know give myself you know like a hammer and anvil type feel rather than you know an all hammer with some healing which is what it kind of was before right so, I've always had a soft yeah, spot. And the models just look awesome. Oh, I love the models. They were my favorite uh, models when the, I kickstarted the game. And then I got the flame men in. <laughs> <laughs> and then you said, eh, Bolton's in. Oh. Guess I'm going to oh, use yeah, the puppies. So, 
So let me tell you guys real quick. We kind of went over like our our history. So I'm gonna. So as far as Ice and Fire, um, Justin is our local uh, Bolton player. Chris, he started out as Starks and he still has them and he collects pretty much all the armies. But he's been on Free Folk a bit lately. Uh, me, I collect uh, way too much. I have way too much Ice and Fire, but my main army is Starks. A big reason of that is actually because they're the only thing I have 100% painted right now. Um, and for me, it's hard for me to bring an unpainted army to a tournament. Um, so uh, as I get more armies painted, that'll open up kind of what I bring to tournaments. Uh, the next on my list is my Baratheons, now that I finally got some of them in. Um, everything on mine, though, is magnetized and primed um, and ready to be painted. But my OCD won't let me start painting a new army until one army is completely done. So, so yeah. And then uh, Brett, who just uh, uh, left us not too long ago, he um, he started with, I believe, Lannisters, and that's what he won Gen Con with. Uh, he tried out Starks, um, but uh, he decided to quickly change to uh, Night's Watch. So that's what he's kind of been on now. But... Uh, it was too bad he wasn't able to make it uh, to the later parts of the show when we talk about Night's Watch, because uh, I'm sure he has some uh, strong opinions about that, but uh, mostly good and some, uh, you know, not so great. We'll say that much. Um, more so like, man, what do I do? All right, I guess I'll have to adapt this way. Not uh, not like super complaining or nothing. It's just it's one of those. It's a, the Night's Watch changes were a big curveball. So, but yeah, uh, Jose, he, uh, he plays Starks, um, but, uh, now that Baratheons are out, I think we'll, he'll be playing those more often until, uh, until the much awaited Dorn comes out. Cause him and me, we're, uh, we're waiting for that faction. So, all right. So on to, uh, the next unit, which would be Stark Bowman. One of my favorite changes. Uh, I, I, I own... was so surprised to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I own three of them. Uh, something happened when I was buying the game, like when it first came out, and uh, somehow I ended up with three. I only meant to have two, but I some I missed that I had purchased one already, like my second one, and a third showed up. So now that this change has happened, I've actually considered some three <laughs> three Bowman lists because they are great. Um, for these for those of you that have not seen it, they. Uh, can now shift before they fire. Uh, they no longer get the dice boost, but they have more dice initially. They are 884 hitting on threes, so they got a plus one to hit. They still ignore intervening units and terrain, and then if the defender fails their panic test, they become win uh, weakened and cannot trigger orders. For me, the absolute number one thing that was changed that I like is not being able to, uh, the enemy not being able to use orders until the end of the round, any orders. So one of the biggest things, granted failing a five-up morale is going to be hard, shooting uh, vets with John in them. Vets won't be able to counterattack you, and they won't be able to heal with John's order. You shoot set for charge, uh, some help at ears. Granted, their morale has gone up one now, too, um, and now they're no longer going to be set for charging against you. Uh, what else? Um, the Black Guard, the um, uh, her uh, what is it called? Uh, Justin? Horrific the visage. visage. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that. Or no, sorry, that's not an order, is it? That's uh, an ability. No, it's it's just an ability. 
Oh, so my apologies, guys. So, yeah, so that one will still go off. But there's, I mean, there's endless uh, possibilities with this uh, tactic now, and it can really add some suppressant to your uh, offensive forces. Uh, I really like unlike it a lot really of these, unique in the game. It's like something it's we haven't really seen before, so it's super unique. Uh, I think that's yep. like one of the cooler things because I it gets a little stale when you see like cookie cutter abilities on people, and obviously it's going to happen. But uh, when something like fresh comes out, I think it's really interesting because now people have to learn how to play around that. Yep, definitely, and uh, it's just I cannot wait to use these guys. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to even play them yet, but uh, um, I have some lists in there that are just like you know you run two of these guys. You run just some sworn shields, to, or yeah, sworn shields, sworn swords to muck up everything, and you just have these guys shooting in combat. Because remember, they ignore units, so you can have a unit aligned 100% with another with an enemy, and you can shoot that unit. You do not need the line of sight. Uh, so, and you just keep pounding it away. Chris, you're gonna have to take morales on your own guys, but especially if you have like berserkers, you know. Fact, uh, the chance that you're going to fail that morale is, you know, pretty low. Oh, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> fail the morale and roll a four. Ooh. Yeah. What do you think, uh, Chris? I think I'm going to be liking adding some of these guys with the uh, sworn shields we were just talking about too. Just camp them behind some of them and just start arcing and firing to people. Yep, and if you don't run any attachments, I mean, you can run, like, if you run, like, Holland or something, and then one four-point NCU, that gives you 36 points to work with. That's, th- uh, let's say, two bowmen and six, or six, uh, sorry, two bowmen and four sworn shields. Um, that's that's a pretty, uh, you know, scary uh, thought. You know, granted, it's a little, a little spammy, but, uh, you know, it's two, it's, Four or six units, all that it was changes, and you know it can really put in some work. For sure. So, all right, next up on our list, this one I did not see coming, did not see it at all. Though I do think they needed a change. Uh, this before the change was the least used unit of the starts for me completely. I know other people, it was other other units. Um, and there was a handful of people or a decent amount of people out there that liked Outriders as they were. But Stark Outriders getting the change, I'll be using these guys a lot more. Um, so for the change, they now hit on a three up. That was a big complaint I had with them before. Hitting on a four, I mean, they were basically just sworn shields for two points with uh, with an ability you only use some, like, the, the free charge you only use sometimes, and then the free maneuver. So I just, I can never see myself bringing them over just a sworn shield with a sworn sword captain for one point less. Now they're hitting on threes. Uh, eight dice, six dice. And then uh, instead of the free charge when you take the maneuver, which only helped one unit of them, now they have an ability where you can take multiples to these guys and all, all of them will be able to get the ability, which is uh, enemies, uh, this unit excuse me, successfully charged in the flank or rear become panicked and weakened. That's big. 
because if you're getting the flank or the rear, their negative is already going to be a one or two. And with panicked, you're going to be able to make them reroll that and the D3 for the panic test. And there's ways to give them vicious too with the Stark deck. Yep, that too. Um, or no, you can't. Or can you? Uh, yeah, yeah yes, can't you? Can. you if with, they're down. Yeah. If they're down, well, Vicious, that part of it is only if you're at your last rank. Uh, for a second, I thought wow. you couldn't because uh, I was thinking if it said you had two destroyed ranks, it doesn't say that. It says if you're at your last rank, which so which it could isn't still work that for bad the with them because they still have six oh, attacks yeah, hitting on threes. Hit it, yeah, six attacks hitting on threes, and if you've charged, um, which that's when this ability triggers, you're rerolling those threes, so you're probably hitting with mm-hmm. six or five, five or six of them. And they're mm-hmm. going to have a minus one or minus two panic check. Um, and then if you ro- uh, throw that on them, they're going to have sundering and uh, vicious, um, making a minus three or minus four. I mean, they're going to be like a key um, per, uh, unit to be throwing uh, uh, northern ferocity on now. Um, and good weakened, old bushwhack. So that way, yeah, weakened. So now, um, what was it? Uh, let's see. So they still have swift retreat. So after this unit is attacked with melee, they may make a free retreat. You just charged them, made them weakened. They're going to attack back, weakened, and you're going to use your order and free retreat. I mean, these guys are so useful now that you know I can easily see them in a ton of lists. You know, before for me, these guys went from the very bottom of the barrel for Starks for me. I know not for a lot of people out there, to way at the top. What yeah, do you I think, uh, Chris? I 100% agree with what you're saying. That bushwhack ability is so awesome, so useful, and as a free folk person, I weep if that thing hits me in the back. <laughs> back or side, I should say. I think it's got a sweet name too, so that only helps. Well, and also think think if you take uh, Arya, I mean Arya is going to allow you to. Uh, let me uh, just double check. Uh, correct me if I'm I'm wrong. Um, Arya will. Uh, I can't remember if Arya is um, infantry unit or any unit. Uh, let me double check. You know, I want to say it's uh, infantry only, so scratch that. Yeah. But you could still take, you could still take the free maneuver spot and then um, make them move maneuver that way. And then when they move, you know, if your opponent tries, if you're able to get out of the opponent's line of sight with that free maneuver, if they try to maneuver to get back within your sight, you then take your free maneuver before you activate when you activate. And then just get to their flank again, completely turning your opponent around, and then opening up for another unit to come in uh, from their other angle. Um, so these guys have so much potential. Um, I will definitely be throwing these guys in a lot more lists uh, than before. And you know they still have the four up in uh, defense and the six up morale, the six moves. So they're still super fast. These guys are definitely every worth their point now, and I would say in some cases a bargain, especially in a lot of Rob lists. But um, all right, uh, on to the controversial uh, great axis. I would say if there was any change that I definitely 
did not like, it would be this one. And I'm going to say it in the, from the sense that I think it's too strong. Um, and I, even though this is my, like, main faction, I'm all about, like I talked about at the beginning of the show, fairness. I, I don't want my faction to be super strong and broken. These guys, I think, are only broken because of the Umber champion. I mean, these guys are going, they are now changed to only have Executioner's Fury. They lost Mighty Cleave, which was the, for every failed save, you take another save. But now their Executioner Fury has been turned into... Eight attacks. Uh, yeah, they now, the profile of the Executioner's Fury, instead of 6-4-4, it's now 8-6-6. Hitting on threes instead of a two-up. But if they begin the turn engaged, they get the plus one to hit back. So they're essentially, as long as they remain engaged, which is pretty much what it was before, because you couldn't use that ability if you charged or weren't didn't start the turn and engage. Um, so you're going to be hitting on twos with the the original Executioner Fury's uh, uh, timing, mm-hmm. and uh, so and then the defender does not gain defense saves, uh, and if they only have one rank left, they gain critical blow. To be totally honest, I think they could have taken out that critical blow part because. With the Umber Champion, you're looking at 10 dice. Uh, if your opponent can't take out a rank, you're looking at 10 dice to hit on twos with Vicious, and they get no saves. Hitting on, yeah, hitting on twos. So um, you throw, uh, um, whatchamacallit, Blackfish in them. They now have a four-up morale. They now have the ability to do set for charge and weaken your opponent because they're a Tully unit. Um, every time they pass a morale, they're going to get a wound back. And then with Tully's uh, healing cards and taking the money bag or all these different ways to make sure you go back up to full, these guys' chances of hitting with the full ranks is very high. Or even if Tully's not in the unit and you have the Umber Champion, and let's say Tully's in a different unit and you still have the healing or you run Eddard NCU and just have these other avenues for healing, you're going to be able to make these guys hit so hard that now instead of only obliterating five, six save units, you're going to obliterate practically any unit since it doesn't give saves. So if they have no way to like uh, shield the guards, guards the realms of men or uh, – just some some of the tactics cards out there, some of the defensive things to negate some of these, because they don't do auto wounds, so if you do have something that uh, blocks hits, it will still block this. Um, if you don't have that, though, I mean, 10 dice hitting on twos, um, you're looking at, what, eight of them hitting? Um, possibly, you know, nine. And just losing nine wounds from a Flademan, that's going to be devastating nine nine wounds to anything really is devastating and then um and then if they fail that panic test you know they don't need they if they roll one or a two or sorry if they roll a two or a three they're going to be dead you know because they only have three wounds left after those nine so and i was kind of ranting there but what do you think justin uh there's only like one plus side to this lighter units can now charge them without fear of dying completely without a fight especially playing against you who uses Tully with them all the time so separate charge it's just like come on so now as a mm-hmm. neutral player two of my units are five and six save I can actually use those in fact now I'll 
pretty much only engage them with cutthroats and bastards girls. Uh, but it is yep. kind of ridiculous. Also, they don't get the. Uh, I mean, I guess if they kind of seem like halberdiers now, ever all their stats are the same, with the exception of the attack. But instead of set for charge, they have if you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back harder. So nobody really wants to sort turn of, it now. So, so these are a the force to turn will, it now too. The halberdiers though have thundering and uh, they have eight eight six instead of. Yeah, I know. Except the attack being a little different, but I mean, these guys have better. They they have sundering to the next level. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, this is all you know speculation at this point. Uh, I could be totally wrong, and these guys could be right at their points. But I feel like, as is, I guess they wouldn't be so terribly <laughs> bad. But, um, uh, but the Umber Champion. And then especially if, let's say you are crazy and you just run nothing but great axes and you roll fire and blood and you have umber champions and everything, you're now 12 dice, like hitting on twos, no saves. Like, yeah, you even if they knock you down a rank. Yeah, right. And they even don't if you knock down worse. a rank, they get worse a little bit. But, but no, yeah. Well, like, that was an have, exaggeration, but yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think, Chris? I love Umbars in general, both these and Berserkers. And I think this works very well to them. Because I'm even the foolish one that even though he's not that great, I still use Great John as a commander, just for the thematic purposes. But I agree with you that this change is powerful, but I love it because I love this unit. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I'll retract the brokenness part of my statement, but I really just feel these guys are way too strong for uh, for their points. Um, I mean, and uh, Ben here on our chat uh, definitely makes a good point that he's going to be, these guys are going to be ridiculous with Great John Umber uh, attachment um, with Overrun, and uh, the overrun because you started the turn engaged still gives the plus two on your charge. So if you kill a unit uh, number in a great John in your unit, you started the turn engaged. You will then, because uh, this is something that came up with the assault veteran. This has been uh, clarified that this that's how it works. If you have an assault veteran in a unit of let's say mountainsmen and you have the mountain as your commander and you run you play the card overrun you started the turn engaged, so you'll get it. So you will then have however many dice, eight or six or ten or whatever, hitting on twos with re-rolls because you're now charging for that second overrun. Or even, I don't mean to burst your to, bubble, uh, but that's not actually that's not how it's going to work with this unit. It specifically says if this unit began the turn engaged with the defender. Um, so... So it says oh, if you I, I guess that yeah. could be correct, yeah. So let's actually I'm gonna pull up uh, assault veteran. I'm gonna pull up the assault. That's an order that says sure. if it starts the turn engaged, but this says with the defender. Let's see. So if this unit began the turn engaged, and that's the trigger. This unit's melee attacks being <laughs> plus one hit. So yeah, Ben, uh that was a good catch, but Justin that was also a good catch. Um so this could definitely be uh could not um, 
let's see, the exact wording is, for the executioner's fury is, if this unit began the turn engaged with the defender. So this attack, yeah, so this attack gains plus one to hit, and the defender does. So, I mean, I would have to lean with Justin on this one, but, um, I mean, I could definitely see how someone could say, well, it's only if you started like the plus one hit will be for this um, profile attack or this singular attack. But uh, Justin, I, I would have to agree with you if I were to come I think, down to have to. I think people are going to get this we'll wrong see, yeah. a lot because it's like really hard to see in there. It's in the middle of a big block of words. No one like, yeah, the, not that no one reads well, through it all the, the time, next, but. Well, that and it's on the next line. So it, it ends with if this turn began the turn engaged. And then the next yep. line is where it says, with the defender. It's all one I think sentence, people are gonna... but yeah, I think people might skip over it, but we'll see. Mm -hmm. I'm sure uh, it, it'll come up enough that Simon will uh, say something about it in the FAQ. But Yeah, I'm um, sure they will. But yeah, so, all right, uh, I think uh, we can go on to the next one, uh, but... Number Great Axes, I think, actually got better, um, in my opinion. Uh, Woe is there. Yeah. Next one, we're going to talk about Rickon Stark. So, first thing I want to point out, um, I didn't bring this up on the main chat or on the main uh, group page or the main Ice and Fire Facebook page because I think this, the chances that this will happen are very slim. But with the new clarifications of attachments, the owner gets to pick the order, and they specifically clarified that the the text that says this unit is always the last model killed is just reminder text of the attachment rule. It's not an actual like specific rule for Rickon or Joffrey. It's just reminder text that attachments are always the last model. This being said, you then default to um, attached, if you have multiple attachments, you get to pick the order in which they go. Meaning, if you run Rickon and OSHA, you can put Rickon before OSHA. And if you get exactly 11 people dead and OSHA lives and Rickon dies, then Rickon's extra VP uh, doesn't do anything. Because uh, Rickon in particular says that if his unit dies, you give an extra VP. Whereas Joffrey says if he dies, and then... Um, Michael uh, even goes on to his podcast to clarify this even further, saying that uh, that specific wording for a reason, because Rickon is a captive, and you want to basically capture him in a sense, whereas Joffrey, you're trying to assassinate him. So like abilities like Jack and Hagar can pick out Joffrey because you're trying to kill him, whereas Jack can't pick out Rickon because you're assassinating Rickon, whereas you want to capture him. So, Good thing he's um, in a Stark unit, totally prisoner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, with that being said, you can Rickon is now one point instead of two. So for one point, you're getting Rickon, Osha, and Shaggy Dog, all for one point. And the reason being, and it makes sense, uh, Michael was saying that uh, it's because Rickon and Shaggy Dog both give up a, a, a VP now. But if you get lucky. You could get away with not giving up a VP for Rickon if you make sure to put him second. Now, I don't know if that's an oversight, so um, ho I hope it is sort of an oversight. I would like to see a rule that says Rickon in particular has to be the last model because um, it doesn't make sense, like, I guess, thematically that Osha would allow Rickon to die before she did. Um, but not as to mention, I feel like that's just right a now, loophole. 
Yeah, exactly. And I, I hope it's not the case. And I understand, like, you know, I'm all about rules as written over rules as intended, but I definitely would like to see this clarified and maybe change to where Rickon has to be. Um where Rickon has to be placed last and I'm pretty sure I'll still place him last just because like I said I'm pretty sure it's it's one of those outlier cases that and again it, you would have to kill exactly 11 models you would have to have it to where Rickon dies and OSHA doesn't in order for it to even trigger that way but yeah at one point I could definitely see Rickon now to give you that extra activation and OSHA to make sure she throws him into another unit so he doesn't die. And I think it's a bargain because you're still getting OSHA's uh, uh, go down fighting ability, I believe is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. No, that's exactly what it's called. You're correct. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say about Rickon. He was just reduced one point. Um, so he's definitely, I wouldn't say a must-take, but he's definitely a contender now. Um, but whereas before, I would rather just pay the one extra point and take Hodor or uh, uh, Rob. Um, but now that he's uh, changed to one point, it's like, you know, a whole a- activation for one point, and you have options to make sure that Rickon doesn't die. Uh, with OSHA and OSHA's ability, it's it's a bargain. Um, so, yeah, uh, on to our next uh, next one that we're going to talk about. Um, Brandon Hodor, also just one point drop. Everything else is the same. Um, there, again, I mean, this, I was already, you know, even though I don't like the fact that Wolves are worth a VP, um, I would rather see them have insignificant and have the ability, have the option to be taken away with like Wal- Walder Frey or something. Um, but they did uh, make one change I'll speak about right now, um, which helps that, which makes me a lot more um, less apprehensive to take them, is uh, that you may now choose to do nothing with your NCUs. That is right. So when you activate your NCU, you can choose to do nothing. So if Mance Raider has played uh, his... Uh, his one tactics card that when you take a spot, a certain spot of two on the tactics board, um, you take, uh, I think it's like two plus D three auto wounds to a unit, um, basically auto killing a dog. And now that you can choose to do nothing, you can, you know, that won't be an automatic. You can just pick, okay, well, I don't want to take that spot and have you do a bunch of wounds or kill a wolf. And that was my big concern with the wolves being worth a VP is I can play strategic with them, but I don't want an ability that I don't have much control over that can just say, oh, you're dead. So, but now that uh, Hodor, I mean, he was already amazing at three points in my opinion. Um, Yeah, he's such a pain to fight. Well, he's like a key player for me uh, with um, in Great Axes because if they try to charge me with, uh, I know he doesn't like take away their abilities, but um, taking away their charge bonus and uh, the, for the rerolls and then two less, two less dice for using um, Hodor, the one-time And no tactics cards? Uh, does he do it's that? I don't think he does that. It's disorderly. Oh, yeah. 
be right. So, yeah, so against uh, Tully Cavaliers or Knights, this is like, uh, you know, this is one key thing for me. So now that he's two points, again, a bargain. Uh, and I could definitely see him being taken now, especially like with the, with the, that change where you don't have to activate an NCU so I can get by Mance's uh, card that will snipe my wolves. Um, so what do you think, Chris? You're going to, with all these awesome start changes, are you going to jump on and start getting some start games in and for at least a little while? Yeah, probably. Especially don't do it, Chris. I took this guy most times anywho because he was good before. But now that with the point reduction, there's really no reason for me not to take this guy. <laughs> yep. Uh, just as a reminder to those viewers out there, uh, at the end of the show, um, uh, which we're going to try to speed up here. I know we're going a little behind here. Uh, end of the show, a random uh, caller will get uh, a box of their choice between any unit that is uh, has been updated. So let me go back here and just name them off. You will have the option between Halberdiers, uh, Warrior Sons, uh, the Kingsguard, which essentially means you'll get the Hero Box 2 for Lannisters, uh, Tully Swarm Shields, uh, Stark Bowman, uh, Stark Outriders, uh, Stark Umber Great Axes, or I should say Umber Great Axes. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll even throw in the option for uh, maybe the Hero Box 1 or 2 for Starks, because I think there's at least a couple of the models in there that are changed. Um, let's see. Uh, the Spearwives, uh, Flayed Men, and... Uh, Sworn Brothers and Bastard Scrolls. So, um, and then why not? There's two models in there, so I even do uh, the neutral. So anything, basically, if there's a box that has anything of the changes, any unit or any model with the changes, you let me know, and it is yours. Uh, free shipping to anywhere in the U.S. I just ask that if you're overseas, you just kind of meet us halfway on the shipping. Um, but all right, so back into it. So we're going to go over Great John Umber. To be totally honest, I thought Great John Attachment was perfectly fine the way it was. My problem was with uh, the Attachment version of Great John Commander. Not that he's bad by no means, but when you compare him to um, the other commanders, I didn't like the fact that he was doing damage to himself. I I know it's a little more thematic, I guess, with the wanting to hurt yourself and get weaker with like the Berserkers, but... like. Um, I don't know. I out of I thought Great John the way he is now the commander just take away the D3 would have been perfect um, and put him on par with a lot more commanders. I thought uh, Great John attachment was just fine um, and uh, he was he was a, a sort of a hard sell at three points compared to everyone else. But I still liked his um, his onslaught which he already still has. It gives you with him and then with Rob having the um, the option for the the taking the maneuver for a free charge. If you ran both of them, it just gave you so many options on the tactics boards to get free uh, activations or free, uh, I should say, free actions. So, what do you think, Justin love, or Chris? I love the ahead, overrun because me personally, I'm a very go forward and kill things kind of guy. 
And this, 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 <laughs> yeah. the, the upper mentality very well. And his cards for his character cards are all about mostly his own guys dying, which this just gives him more incentive to go kill more things and die. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely like the change. I just wasn't expecting it. Um, I just didn't think it was needed, but it's great. It's very welcome. Unexpected, but welcome. Yeah. I think, uh, Justin, you're going to try to sneak this guy in your Bolton list? See if no one nope. notices. <laughs> <laughs> He's twice as big as any model. Of course they're going to notice. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be, especially the fact this is the attachment, uh, you can bring, like you said, you can bring Rob as the commander. You can get some devastating, like, combos. You can you can free charge, kill something, free charge, kill something, <laughs> stop, yeah, do well, your real charge order, later. So. <laughs> it's an oh, order, so unfortunately you won't be able to well, keep doing no, it. No, no, I know. So you you onslaught charge with the swords for free, kill something overrun charge something else for free and then when it comes back to your turn now you can actually charge <laughs> yep and then you uh you know who needs to charge three times charge in there <laughs> this guy no i'm yep. not gonna do it i'll just have to kill him quickly but chris uh, you want to play yeah i mean <laughs> yeah jack and hagar <laughs> but uh all right uh next up on the list, we have Serio Pharrell. I I kind of had a feeling he was going to be changed. I just had no idea what they were going to do. Um, I thought maybe they were going to... Um, I thought it, the ability should have just been, like, all the time, not in order, his minus one to hit. And he was just going to have the one ability for two points. But the other ability, I think, opens up, actually, more options for combos. Like... Hello, Roger. Uh, first blade. Yeah, so like this unit's attacks gains precision, so rolls of six don't allow defensive saves. I mean, you run it, grant it uh, makes Roderick NCU more usable. And I know a lot of Stark players are out, out there still, you know, they were using Roderick NCU before, but in the tournament scene, he kind of fell short, in my opinion. Um, uh, those that don't know me, Catlin. With how many tokens get thrown out there, Catelyn is too uh, valuable. For me, Catelyn's main ability, like her prime ability for being taken, is removing a token. It's not the hitting at max for me because I'd much rather have the ability to heal up and remove two tokens from somewhere and totally negate a Roos activation or uh, a Pycelle activation. It's too good. I mean, the... Her other ability to hit at max is just topping on the cake for me. So um, now Roderick, I think, has more weight with, uh, you know, you can run Arya so that you can unlock Sirio and then run um, Roderick and do this combo. Uh, and it'll just be amazing, um, especially if you can take the free attack and make them vulnerable with Roderick's ability. Um so now you're hitting uh, most more than likely on threes. Like let's say uh, put him in some berserkers to give him a little defense um, while giving him offense at the same time. I know they already have the thundering, but um, you know they're hitting with eight, nine, ten dice, or even 
plus two to that. Or no, sorry. So obviously, if you have Syria, you can't run a champion. But still, eight, nine, ten dice with uh, critical blow and then precision. Um, it is just you know, there's so much more potential than had they just made his order all the time. Or I mean, even if you look at it, like don't even put him because you lose a little bit of a, uh, or there's some redundancy with great axes and berserkers because you don't need them to not have defense saves because they won't have defense saves. So instead, you could put them in totally sworn shields with Roderick influencing them. Uh, and totally sworn shields are now like virtually indestructible, and they have seven dice, and every six is two auto wounds, basically. Yep. And even yeah, though it's not be... as good as some things, they're never going to die. Well, yeah, especially if, you know... Uh, if instead of like Roderick for the the combo there, you just run the um, him in the sworn shields to give that minus one. They have the shield wall um, away at hand. So when this unit is attacked before attack dice are rolled, and I think that might be the same trigger as shield wall though. So you might yeah, not be able check. to do. Yeah, I'll let you check. Um, shield wall. After attack dice are rolled, boom. So uh, those in the chat, if you could, uh, I, I listened to Michael's podcast, but this part confused me a bit. Did he clear up uh, whether or not before and after attack dice are rolled are the same thing? Because uh, I know there's been a little confusion out there, um, and I know he cleared it up. Uh, if you could just put in the chat, uh, if you're following on there. I know I've seen Ben lingering around. Um, but because uh, uh, I know he, I know when you attack uh, is different than something else. I can't remember. But uh, yeah, I mean, so we'll just uh, we'll move on from there. So we'll say that if it does combo, that'd be amazing. And then uh, and then giving them the precision just gives them that little bit of extra, like, offense. You know, with seven dice hitting on threes, uh, you're bound to get, you know, one or two sixes out of those dice. And, you know, those you only need one six, and then now you're auto-triggering a uh, panic test. You know, mm -hmm. because and then that panic test, you only have to fail by one, and then you're possibly doing two to four more wounds on top of that. I mean, you could just get one save in, and or one six in and then pass everything else, then they could roll bad on the panic and you're looking at five wounds just because you gave precision to them. So alright. Uh what do you think, Chris? You know, I'll be honest, I've never actually used this guy ever. But I think it's a <laughs> very nice very nice surprising addition to the guy. Yeah, I've only ever used him a couple of times myself, and I liked it when I played him. But uh, running for me, Arya is a hard sell. Um, I, I've made I've made use of her ability plenty of times, but not so much that I'm running her in all my lists. And then even when I do run her, I'm not always running Serio. The the chances that I'm running Serio and her, I mean, it's a five point investment. So I'm glad that they uh, they boost him up a bit to. Uh, um, make that fun investment. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, all right. And then let's see. I believe our last stop on the list for uh, uh, starts is Roger, the commander, master at arms. 
So this order is so simple, and there, this change is so simple, and it makes him, you know, so like five times better. He is now on par with every other Stark commander. Um, granted, they're you know some are better than others, but they're all close enough that no one's like out of the running for someone to use. Now he has instead of uh, when he attacked, instead of like a glorified sworn sword captain, he is now the uh, equivalent to uh, uh, Tywin for the Lannisters, but throwing out a vulnerable instead. So at the start of a friendly turn, one enemy within line of sight and long range becomes vulnerable. Know who he works amazing with? Stark Bowman. Being able to turn your opponent vulnerable before you shoot them is amazing because the, he also still has his expose opening. When targeting a vulnerable enemy, the unit may reroll any misses. You now have eight dice hitting on threes with rerolls um, that can ignore terrain, all that. And because he's your commander, he's free. So you're looking at a six-point unit doing that and then you know not only are you making him vulnerable you're possibly making him weakened and no orders if they fail their panic test yeah he's gonna be really powerful and the safety of being behind uh with bowmen who don't have to have who can be straight behind someone is pretty ridiculous yep yeah and before to like make him like usable you had to like spam sworn sword uh captains so that you had enough vulnerables going around, in my opinion. Now you can get away with just a couple of them um, because him throwing out one every turn is still something. It It's still enough to at least be able to trigger his cards that you don't need to like throw all these captains everywhere hoping that they, they go off. Not only that, usually you want to just use the vulnerable right as you're throwing it on him. So uh, unlike, uh, let's say... Um, Ty, or Tyri, or Tywin who has Pycelle that can throw one on prior to like a unit activating um, the Sworn Sword captains usually wanted to use them as soon as they got them on there and granted Roderick is still going to he's going to throw it on there before he act, or before he like right as he's activating or no I'm sorry this, the order is start of a friendly turn so yeah it has nothing um, to do with him attacking or anything oh yeah so that yeah that's even better than Tywin, I believe, because Tywin is... Uh, when he um, activates. Yeah, so... Um, Roderick is definitely now a contender. He actually has my... I would say tied for my favorite card, uh, Tactics card, uh, out of all the Stark cards, which is his... Uh, what's it called? It's the... Your opponent loses all abilities and minus two dice. Uh, and the Brandon Hodor one? His... No. No, he has his own tactics card. Let me look at it real quick. He um it's been a while uh, guys since I actually used him because he kind of fell short in comparison to a lot of the people. So it's called martial superiority. When an enemy unit attacks, their attack rolls minus two dice and loses all abilities until until the end of the turn. And if they're attacking Roderick, they become weakened. So this one does shut off uh Tully Cavaliers and uh the knights because it is not taking away a charge bonus. It is taking away all their abilities. So now, what, knights have six dice and Tully have six dice at full ranks? They're now going to attack with four (laughs) dice with no abilities, hitting on threes. Um, And, you know, if they charged, 
you know, they're still they're going to get a decent amount, but then if they're weakened because you're attacking Roderick, I mean, you're practically well, going to do nothing, especially if they seven just charge. Even, four even just seven attacks, well, four plus the three for their charge. No, they wouldn't even get that. It would just be four dice. No, yeah, exactly. Four yeah, dice. They, with, it would be uh, worthless. I mean, and if they have to reroll because of a weekend, let's say you throw Roderick here in the new Great Axes, and they think, all right, I got to, like, wipe these axes out before they do something. Oh, martial superiority. Oh, you hit, like, a, a wet noodle. And now they're like, all right, we started the turn engage, combat zone, free attack. You know, ho hopefully, you know, that's a, a great scenario in the situation for the Great Axes. But even not, even just a regular one. Um, you just you attack them, and then if you have first activation next round, I mean, you could wipe out that unit before they do anything to you. Um, mm -hmm. So, Roderick has a lot of potential. You throw him great axes, you throw him in Bowman. Um, I think those two units is where he's going to shine. Um, but yeah, um, and you don't even ha I guess you don't even have to throw him in the great axes unless you're wanting that weakened token because this card is going to work at any point any of your units are attacked by an enemy. So what do you think, Chris? I think that mark target is very underrated but very versatile and that's going to be awesome. I don't you think know, it's underrated at all. That's why Night's Watch do so well. I hate those guys. Oh too. yeah. That's those six point <laughs> cavalry. That's what they're there for. Is mark target. The things in it. Vulnerable yeah. tokens are huge. I never even thought of the thought of putting them into the bowman and just doing it that way. Because now, yeah. Well, you, before go, you almost had to be engaged and then you know throw out the token and then almost wait a turn before you got your bonuses from the exposed opening. But now, even if you have them in a melee unit you know, throw the mark target on them and then charge. Yep. All right, so we're going to go on. We're running short on time here, so we're going to try to get through these last ones, with the last couple being, uh, the, the, I think I would say, the most controversial on uh, on the page for the Ice and Fire. So next one, though, we're going to talk about right up uh, Chris's alley is the Spearwise, four points. Now, it, my yeah. thought was... Yeah, my thought was they were going to actually just get buffed rather than decreased to keep them in that five-point range, but I'm completely fine with the four points. I think uh, since only trappers are in that four-point range, it was uh, probably a smart move to put another unit in that uh, in that category. Um, yeah, now at four points, especially you want to throw a uh, – I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong uh, – Egret um, in there with her assassinate ability – you know, because they have that six-inch uh, range and they can, you know, assassinate someone before uh, they can shift three, try to assassinate someone, and then shift three back. Um, and, you know, it's four points, I think. It, I don't know. I think it's right where they need to be. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a bargain, but I think you're going to see a lot more spirit wives now. Yeah. I like four. I kind of use these guys. I put uh, Jarl in with them and kind of use them as a, you know, come out from the back or something. But seven points was a little hard to stomach for a unit that 
got cleaned up pretty quickly. So yeah. I like him the fourth. It's a little easier to stomach the sixth and the seven for these. I think I'm going to still try to run them, especially with that stone thrower nonsense, have that guy pop up in the bag. <laughs> yeah. That guy. And well, you are. Still. Yarl can't go from the back, but he can go uh he can go far in the back from the flank, but that's one thing I, I realized uh this he's not as good as uh Tully uh on horseback. Tully specifically says he can come from any edge, whereas Yarl can only come from the flanks. But, you know, if they're not all the way up on their flank, you, you essentially come from their back. You just won't be able to get like back middle. Uh no, I want to. I want to see these ladies get used more. I like yeah, the same here. The alternate sculpt for the spearwife matriarch, I think, is like one of the coolest sculpts in the game. So I just want oh, people yeah. to get stabbed with crude spears all day. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people. Uh, there is confusion with that, and they thought like that was a. It says on the box that they're an alternate spearwife sculpt, but uh, I was told uh, by. Simon staff that the the alternate Night's Watch uh, conscript and the alternate um, Spearwife were actually a matriarch and a recruiter. So if you look at the conscript, the alternate conscript model, they actually look exactly like an alternate Watch captain. If you look at their cape, you look at their weapons, you look at everything about them, and they're basically they look almost identical to an alternate watch captain. So I wonder if that's what they were supposed to be, but watch captains are, like, not used at all. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Maybe there's just misinformation out there and just confusion. But use it as what you want. I use uh, my uh, alternate spearwife model as an, a matriarch, and I use my – because I have so many of them, I use the alternate conscript guy as alternate conscript. So – but, um, but, yeah, so we'll move on. Um, the next one on our list here is Bastards Girls. This is right up your alley, Justin. So let's, let me uh, just let you jump off and talk about these guys. But we do have – we only have, like, 20 minutes left, so we'll need to make it somewhat quick. What did you say, Chris? So before we do that, can you make that noise again real quick? <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So Bastards Girls, I think, are – well, they're like my stable unit. I use Bastards Girls in almost every single list I use. I remember when I first started the game, I was like, what is this unit? It is awful. This is stupid. I'm never using this thing. <laughs> but I use Bastards Girls a ton. I think I own – how many do I own? Four, Dave? You own four of them, yes. I know because I painted <laughs> them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they were already an amazing unit. Honestly, at seven points, I don't think they needed a change. So the Vicious is just – amazing it made a seven point unit into like a 7.5 unit in my eyes uh they can they can do so much damage that people don't expect but the biggest thing for bastard girls are they can trap very important units i have no problem ever facing cavalry because i always can get the jump on cavalry uh unfortunately they didn't get plus one movement so somehow fat berserkers with their big beards are able to go faster than dogs but whatever but Vicious, especially with the change to Panic, is so nice on the attack because they're already really strong. Now they're even stronger, especially with the change to Panic. Yep. Yeah, and it just it also like unifies the army a bit more now that like Except everyone but the Black Guard. Yeah, but still like three of your units have Vicious, and so now like 
you can make a little bit of everything, you know, uh, you know, more unified, and, and you can always throw. Uh, is there an attachment that gives vicious? No, there's no attachment. I know I'm taking all Lannisters, but yeah, so. Um, just need Blackguard yeah, to get vicious I mean, now, and then all my Bolton boys yeah. have it. That's coming next. I mean. Justin played against me uh, with a uh, list with four Bastard Girls, and he won. So, I mean, that's saying something about the Bastard Girls. Yeah, that was so. totally just a for-fun list, too. It worked out really well, though. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I got pretty I lucky, and they just militant. drove. <laughs> yeah. So. It, was, it was pretty gross. Uh, Bastard Girls, though, yeah. if you don't use them and you think they're bad, just use them more, get better with them. They are ridiculous, especially with Ramsey. Cruel Methods, beginning of the round, if you know you're about to get charged by Calvary, guess what, Calvary? You just got charged. Yep. Happens quite a bit. foolishly good with the Neutral Tactics deck. The Neutral Tactics deck is potentially the best deck in the game. I will fight someone on that. (laughs) I try. All right, so we're going to move on, though. We got uh, next up, we have Slademan. One of the semi-controversial changes out there, but I think overwhelmingly more positive than negative. Uh, And I, like, when I first saw the change that it was nine points, I didn't uh, initially notice the other change, and I was like, uh, the nine points and the three-up save, I'm like, man. But then when I saw they changed the um, spread here into Ferocious Assault, that in itself... I know Spread Fear had more potential because you could do it multiple times, but it never, no one ever remembered it. It barely went off, and even when it did, a lot of people forgot about it. I remember it all the time, and it never goes off. Yeah. (laughs) But Ferocious Assault, I mean, not only does it make uh, the unit automatically get that panic to combo with their Vicious, um, Another change, which I think is welcomed, is it makes the combo with the the mountain that rides not as good because now you're stacking an ability because I believe he already has Ferocious Assault. So you're going to stack up on an ability that won't work, so you're not getting the full effect. Because I never really cared for the combo of the mountain in Slademan because, I don't know, I'd much rather see him in Knights. Um, But... uh, yeah, I think this is a wonderful change, and I think, uh, personally, I don't think anything in the game should have a stock two-up save. I think it's just too much. Um, I think you should be able to increase to a two-up. I think there should be abilities that can make your three-up a two-up, and that's fine, because there's abilities that can reduce it. But um, to have anyone be stock two-up just seemed like too tanky. Um Unless maybe you're going to make someone, uh, Simon, if you're listening, maybe if you're going to make someone with a two-up save and maybe make their morale horrible or something, trade-off like that. But, I mean, the only unit we've had so far is Flademan with a two-up, and they had a six-up morale, which is above average. And um, it just it seemed like too tanky. Even at ten points, it you know I think it was a very welcome change to make my three-up nine points. Leaves room for more things in a Bolton list. Now that you're not investing quite as many points, um, yeah. You guys got anything else to add before we move on? The combo with them now, you have it requires zero setup with Ramsey to use our Blazer Sharp with them. All you have to do is charge, and you're hitting on two with two, hitting on twos with ten dice and vulnerable, and panic with crit, vicious, 
Um, and before, you'd have to use an NCU or take the letters or something just to get a panic yep. token on, which is easy enough. But now that combo requires zero thoughts. Yep. And the only thing I can think of that stops it, I think we went over it before, is uh, fire burns against cold. Otherwise, I mean, you're not going to be able to stop that. Uh, that token mm, from fire. going off if you want to use it right nope. away. Fire, so. no, uh, oh, no, that that does not require well, yeah, a token to be expended. It. You just attack a panicked enemy. Oh, yeah, you're right. Cannot um, stop it yeah. without counterplot. All right, or if so I roll one of my charge. Is Roos Bolton, uh, the Leech Lord. It's the attachment. I love for it! Uh, yeah, it was three points, is now two, and that makes total sense. With the flare coming out, it just did not seem worth it to have him um, at three points, unless you really needed that unit to become House Bolton. But right now in neutrals, I mean, all you have is Bolton. So, I mean, his other ability was wasted. And that, and I think a lot of times the affiliation should just be free, um, in my opinion. Because, I mean, if you start throwing affiliation out there like, you know, candy and have so many of them, then, yeah, it's going to have to probably cost something. But if you're only going to let, like, let's say, Boltons have only two options to give out affiliation, probably shouldn't cost anything, in my opinion. Um, that way you can kind of splice some non-Bolton units in. But, yeah, two points, I think, is perfectly where he's supposed to be at. I love it. I have always mm-hmm. really liked – he's definitely my favorite attachment, uh, at least, like, Thematically, he's not very good. <laughs> uh, now he's so much better. And with the Stormcrows coming out, he'll make a different unit, a Bolton, at one point. Yep. All right, and then cool. uh, we're going to go with uh, – oh, go ahead, Chris. What do you think? No, I I think it's welcome. It was a little stretch at three points, but yep. two I think is just, just right for him. Yep, and another thing to consider is that now you can run like um, uh, Roos, or sorry, uh, Bolton themed lists with Ramsey as commander in non uh, neutral armies, so like in a Stark or Lannister army, and now you can add him in there to just add some more House Bolton units um, for just cheaper. I mean, two points, you know, it's not like investing the three anymore, so. But yeah, uh, so on to probably the one of the top controversial uh, units, Varus. Five points. It's a kick. What do you What do you say? It's a kick in the area. <laughs> I mean, because now you got to fight between do you want Waller, Walder Frey or Varus? And some people have argued that now why would you ever not take Walder over Varus? Um, but I still feel like, I mean, Walder is going to be more of the influential version of Varus on the battlefield, whereas Varus is influential on the board. So if you are willing to spend 10 points on two NCUs, they're going to cover a lot of your, you know, what you need. Then again, in my opinion, unless you're Lannisters, uh, you got to take three NCUs with Walder. Because... I guess Baratheon's not so much uh, because they also want the crown, but if you're a faction that doesn't want the crown, you really need three NCUs to run Walder Frey. Because um, to only get his ability off half the time is not, in my opinion, worth five points. Um, you really want to be triggering him like almost every chance you get. He pairs well with Peter, actually. Yep. 
Um, but Peter. I think. Sorry, the 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 change is he's still usable. I've seen a lot of people say that he's unusable and never going to use him again, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's the case. I did change a lot of my things now. I think the the purpose may have actually worked. Now I can't. I I think I've used him in every list I've taken. Uh, to include since, <laughs> yeah, well, for a while I only had two NCUs to choose from, but even since neutral two drops, I'll take him and someone else because it's he was so good. He absolutely needed a nerf. It was just so potentially shutting down four activations of your opponent is incredibly powerful. Heck, if you only shut down two of them, it's a great day. If you only shut down one, like well, yeah. regularly, to me, it's a bad day. I can't but. tell you how many times against him. I just ditch Sudden Charge. I don't even risk it anymore. I just go, okay, mm-hmm. this card, in my opinion, unless he has, like, one token left, and I'm like, okay, maybe I can bait out that one last order and then start using my Sudden Charge. But anything that had a replacement effect, he just neutered. Like, and it was horrible. It was, like, game-changing. And so now that five points puts him from the, like, competitively must-take to the, okay, now I really got to think about it. You know, now... Yeah. Now it you know, benefits me to bring others over him sometimes. Exactly. and in my Which opinion, is probably they, the effect. It's, it's, yeah, in my opinion, anytime a unit ends up being a must-take, that's when you, uh, uh, one of the criteria is when you should probably start thinking about changing it somehow. Um, and I don't mean like must-take as in like take a lot of the time. I mean must-take. Like yeah, if you're playing competitively and you're like, I can't see... If I can't see myself without running this guy, then that's a problem. Like, uh, there, no mm-hmm. one should be that good that it should be a must-take. And even me, like, mm-hmm. I used to only run Eddard and then Catlin in all my competitive lists for NCUs. And then I started, I swapped out Eddard for uh, Varus halfway through Adepticon. And against most matchups, it was a better buy for me. Um, and, like, because Eddard... It's amazing to fortify my healing because my list already has a lot with Tully. Um, But uh, with Varus over Eddard, I was able to shut off a lot of the, like, key moments that let me capitalize, and it just was game-changing. Five points now, I think, is the more I've uh, played with it, the more I've realized that the five points is, um, is is right where he probably should be. He, he's still like uh he's still useful against replacement effects because uh well replacement effect NCUs I should say so if you have an NCU that you know their ability is replace a board with something uh he still shuts off the replacement effect so you can still shut down that NCU doing his effect and, and instead force him to take the board yeah not as effective but he's definitely not you know crawling on the ground spitting up seawater like all the pictures show yeah. Um, all right, so next one is Bowen Marsh. Four points. Hey. I, um, I don't know. I, I think he is worth four points, but he is a bad four points. Like, he is now the bottom of the barrel four points, in my opinion, um, because Night's Watch already can, even without him, draw a lot of cards. And so am I really going to want to pay four points to draw that much faster? I don't think so. I think I'd rather run Jor now. Uh, uh, Mormont. Maybe and, that was the point. Yeah, that or even you know one more point and run Varus. You know, uh, one more point run Wal Walder. 
then again, like I said, you're probably going to want to run three MCUs because more often than not, you don't want the crown. But yeah, I just, I don't think it's a horrible thing that he's four points. I think he should have been boosted with his four points. I think his mechanics should have been a little better somehow, just because I like the fact that he's no longer three because Night's Watch were said to be veterans or like elite. And the fact that they were able to run two three-pointer NCUs and then most of their units were still kind of on par with a lot of other factions, they were, their armies were just as big as everyone else's. They weren't really elite. But now, uh, yeah, um, kind of foreshadowing the next talk, which is the most controversial, is Sworn Brothers. I mean, seven points. Oh. Uh, I like it a lot. I think they're... Uh, it really... A lot of people say, say, oh, okay, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal. I think it changes a lot. Um, when you were running, like, three Sworn Brothers in one single list, and then Anne Bowen, that is four points you just increased your list. They did not get any point decreases, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So no, they didn't. Most, li- most lists for people went up three or four points. Um, and in the game where you're only playing 40, that's pretty big. Um, it's 10% of your increase. Yeah, and um, had they not increased the full ranks uh, from seven attacks to eight, I would say it was a bit of a stretch to make them seven points. But personally, I think with that eight attack profile at full and their ability to heal so much and the ability to increase that eight to a 10 with Sword in the Darkness or uh, to an 11 with John attachment, I think these guys are perfectly priced at seven. Um, uh and I like the fact that I've been trying to make lists with Nightwatch, and now they actually feel elite with those two simple changes. Um, well, two unit changes between Bowen and Swarm Brothers, those point increases. They now, you know, those four points means, unless you're running conscripts, one whole less unit usually in a, in a list. Um, so I absolutely love it. What do you guys think before we move on to game mechanics? Because we're running down to about five minutes here. Uh, I think that people are going to get used to it. They're still going to run them plenty. They're an incredibly powerful unit. They require they required very little skill because they could be uh, just pumped out. Um, so now people are actually going to have to think about them more strategically when building their lists. However, I do agree with people who said that um, they should have maybe made other units a little more desirable as well, such as the ranger hunters, trackers, the foot guys. They're terrible. Hunters. Yeah, hunters. they suck. They yeah, to, I agree. They need to be fixed. Personally, I feel like I still like them at eight points, um, so I hope they don't decrease their points. I hope they just maybe increase their attack profile to eight, because I think they're at seven right now. Um, yeah, maybe. So... Uh, I, I think, I know they don't like to increase attack dice much, um, but one thing that you've pointed out is versatile units don't end up being, being able versatile. to show off their versatility. Yeah, they don't end up being able to show off their versatility as much as one would think. Um, with, with the exception it, of Bastards Girls, because they get a free charge afterwards. But agreed, if you don't get either, a free charge, you're choosing one or the other. Yeah, even though you have these two amazing tech profiles, it's not like you get to use both with the hunters. You have the option to, and the and the option to is nice, but is it really so nice that you're paying the points for it? Um, so I feel like maybe increasing uh, 
just uh, one more extra attack at full dice on each of them. And now mm-hmm. we're talking. I think, like, now you'll see a lot more play out of them. It's the same way you would see play out of these. Uh, uh, that, the same way that you'll see the, a bunch more potential in the Sworn Brothers with just the one extra die. So what do you think, Chris? Do you think uh, think this change is going to make you start Night's Watch? <laughs> I have Night's Watch. Whether I will play <laughs> them, however, is another story. I think uh, yeah. I would jump back on the Stark bandwagon and try out those umbars again first, but <laughs> I like I like how uh, they're now actually elite, and you're actually going to have to try to think about some stuff, and it's not just going to be a gimme anymore. And yeah, I think that's going to be a plus and a nice challenge. All right, we're yep. All right, we're running down to about three minutes here. We're going to try to gloss over the mechanic changes, and uh, since we're not going to be able to talk about it as much as I would like, we'll probably uh, briefly talk about it next week. Um, but uh, first one, I want to rehash the change to MCUs. You no longer have to do anything with them when you activate. They can choose to do nothing the same way an, a uh, combat unit can. So uh, like Mance's card, which when you take a certain spot of two declared, you would take wounds. You could just say, I'm not doing anything with my MCU and not do it. So, uh, And then another one is the charge bonuses. Um, let me pull it up here just to make sure. So uh, basically, uh, before, you could pretty much charge any part of someone and then pull them to a line, or there's there's a lot of confusion with that. They've, in my opinion, simplified it quite a bit. So at first, a lot of people, when they saw this, thought that when you charged, you would only align, or you could only attempt the charge if you were going to be 50 or 100%. Uh, Michael Chanel uh, cleared it up quite a bit in his podcast, and uh, you just have to be able to see 50% or more of the tray to make the charge. And then when you charge, you align uh, 50 or 100 if possible, but you can technically align anywhere from 50 uh, to 100, so 51, 52, etc. Uh, with that said, though, if you do do that, if someone else wants your if you go anything more than 50%, let's say you're 51%, you're technically 100% aligned in the sense that when your opponent would like to try to charge you, they can't declare the charge because you are more than 50% covered. So you're like a pseudo 100%. Um, So you'll still get the same effect without having to move anyone. Um, They'll also uh, engage multiple enemies. I'll quickly t- uh, read it through. In some cases, after making a successful charge, the attacker might end up in contact with other enemies besides the target of their of their charge. In this case, those enemies will be aligned. Uh, they are the, aligned to. Uh, they are engaged. The attacker at least uh, 50 or 100, moving the least possible distance. If they cannot, they will instead move by the owner one inch away from the attacker. And this if this situation arises, one inch cannot be done. Any and all trays should be moved the least possible distance to avoid being engaged. Now, I think this is a great change. Um, it will prevent, like, all these unintended uh, charges from happening uh, or unintended situations. So 
Uh, so I guess we are a bit shorter on time than I anticipated. So we're going to do our raft real quick. It uh, looks like we only have one of two people here. So I'm going to unmute you and uh, and just uh, go ahead and hit me up on Facebook to give me your info. Um, at uh, I, You should be able to find me. I posted the... Uh, posted on there, uh, Dave Meckler. So, um, all right, I'm going to unmute you right about now. All right, say hello. Uh, Call her with the last digits of 1029. Hello? Hey. Can you hear me? So you are the winner of the box. Yes, we hear you just fine. Sweet. Thank you, guys. appreciate it. All right. Yeah, no problem. I like the I like everything what you guys say. I'm agree for pretty much everything. And the fact that right. nice white players are like scary and going crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yep, uh, no problem. And nice watch up you, uh, what was that? Nice watch apocalypse not happen. <laughs> <laughs> nice watch apocalypse, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, people will be able to, uh, you know, adapt. If it'll take some time, so yeah. Um, of course. So of just course. Uh, hit me up on hit me up on Facebook and tell me your address and what unit uh, box you would want, and we'll definitely send it your way. Um, yeah, uh, that's all for now, and uh, I hope you guys join us on the next episode. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Bye.